1: Hello, everyone. So happy you could join me today for a really wonderful talk with my friend and colleague, Alicia Acuna. Even though we work in different cities, over the years, Alicia and I have become friends. During the pandemic, when my family was going through a tough time, Alicia was someone who would drop me a thoughtful email or kind text to let me know she was thinking of me and my family. A few weeks ago, I was the one reaching out to Alicia after an incredible moment unfolded live on television. Alicia was on location in Denver, where she lives with her family, reporting on yet another tragic, deadly school shooting. This became an incredibly personal story for her because her children were inside the school when it happened. Alicia knew they were safe and told our bosses she still wanted to report on scene. While she was doing her live report, she saw her son coming out for the first time and stopped what she was doing to give him a hug. It's a moment I will never forget watching, and she will never forget as a mom. Sometimes when you cover the news without even knowing, you become part of the story. And that's what happened on that day to Alicia. She hasn't done a lot of interviews about what happened, but graciously said yes when I asked if she could come on to talk about her life, her career, being a mom, and a wife while balancing all of it and how we both have the same anxiety when it comes to performing, despite having a job where performance is how we make a living. I loved our time together, and I adore Alicia so much. So please welcome my wonderful friend and colleague, Alicia Acuna. Alicia, I want to tell you that you made the Dean's List. Thank you so much. I'm so honored. (laughs) I'm sure it's not the first time. (laughs) Yeah. It actually was the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Well, that, you know, I love it because it kind of opens up this dialogue of, of how we were as students in school.
0: Right. I was, um, yeah, I was an okay student. Uh, <laughs> definitely um, primed for um, crashing on information and then spitting it out, which is exactly what I do for my job. Wow. Especially with news.
1: Isn't like, that funny? Yeah, I, were you like yeah. a last minute type studier?
0: Absolutely. And I just have told my kids that is not the way to go. I, it's just I, not.
1: I hear you. We'd say the same thing to Matthew. He's He is going to be in ninth grade last, uh, next year and he just went through exams and he's like, Yeah, I got this. I got this. And he's like doing it last minute. And uh-huh. I'm like, Dude, that's not going to serve you well. But we all kind of did that cramming. Yes, yes. I mean, I'm telling them
0: not to do exactly what I did, and then they look at me like, Mom, you turned out
1: okay. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Okay, but (laughs) I'm just trying to save you. (laughs) Tell me about your – I mean, did you know early on that this is kind of what you wanted to do when you grew up? You know, my –
0: I did, uh, in a way, because my my uncle on my dad's side, he was um, a newspaper reporter. He worked for the Sacramento Bee. He worked for the Los Angeles Times and <clears throat> covered politics. And he, he would uh, send articles to my dad and my dad would say to me, you're you're going to be a writer, and I said, Oh, I am. I, okay, and it, and I grew up watching the news with my dad. I watched the evening news with my dad. I watched 60 Minutes with my dad. I watched football and boxing with my dad as well. Um, but it was just always kind of there, mm-hmm. like oh, this is what it's going to be. And then as I got older, I thought, Well, I don't think I want to be on TV, but I want to work in this industry. Ah. So that was.
1: Yeah. So how did you get your start?
0: Oh, gosh. Um, well, I, I majored um, in broadcast journalism at uh, Northern Arizona University and they had a TV. Um, they had a TV, a college TV station, mm-hmm. uh, which was just the coolest. And I got to work there. I, I was you get to do everything, obviously, in a college TV station. So I was able to um anchor their newscast and report and then also but i also got to produce and i was so um fulfilled when i was producing something about it was just so exciting to me and i loved it and then i went on um to uh when i graduated i had earned a fellowship with the international radio and television society in new york and i was worked on the assignment desk in cbs at cbs uh, as part of that fellowship and I just really was interested in in producing and there were people along the way who were saying well maybe you should give on air a try and I thought I could never do a live shot ever because I have I and I to this day I have really um it's debilitating stage fright really mm-hmm. wow. in front of people I turn into a total mess
1: yeah so tell me how can how do you do it then well, I can't see anybody
0: mm. who's talking to me, who I'm talking to. I mean, I can't see the audience. I can't, see, I can't even see the anchors. Right. So I can't see anyone. And so there's, there's something to that, um, which you think, like, after all these years in this business, I would have explored and figured out. But um, no, I haven't. Uh, and I, there was someone along the way who said, you could do it. And I thought, I don't think I could. Uh, and then I did. So I worked in Bakersfield for like 10 months. I had sent them a tape way back in the olden days and they hired me as their weekend anchor. And I went, oh my gosh, (laughs) what? So I had to do that. And yeah, and I figured out that like, I can't, you know, do a birthday toast um, without
1: like pouring sweat and shaking, but I can the news. It's funny. I, I think I have something similar, even though when I was in school, I loved being in plays. Uh, I loved, you know, the performance part of it, but uh-huh. if it was attached to some kind of, I, I don't even know information, I suppose, maybe that's it. If it's, if it's rehearsed lines, if I'm playing somebody else, I felt like I, I could do that. Um, but I hear what you say because I went to Toastmasters when I was living in Houston with some girlfriends. You know, do you know what that Uh, is? It was when it's exactly what you were talking about, like standing up in front of a crowd and exactly like you, I started sweating. I kind of like mumbled and my girlfriends got such a kick out of it because I was in radio and television at the time and had been for a while. So I understand that. And I, I haven't talked about this, I don't think, ever. And I'm so glad you brought this up because I think it's important to talk about our fears. When my mom was visiting myself and, well, my husband, who was boyfriend at the time, she came to New York with her sisters for, like, a girl's trip for her birthday and She was in the studio uh, while I was going to do a weather report. And Alicia, I froze. I remember that. It was just a tease, like I was supposed to say. And coming up, I'm going to deliver the five-day forecast. And I forget who the anchor was. It might have been, I don't know. I I don't even remember. I blocked it out. Now you've brought something up that I haven't thought about in a really long time. (laughs) And I I really did. I just couldn't talk. And I remember afterwards feeling so embarrassed um, but it was, it was just sort of like someone is watching me. I see them watching me and they're my family and I just completely blew it. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Like that is
0: wild to me, but, and it's, and it's entertaining to like my family and friends who know me like, really? And I'm like, yes, really. Yeah, It is a difference. Something, something clicks, um, when I'm doing my job and it sounds like with you that is that doesn't click yes. if I'm, you know, standing in front of people mm-hmm. um, and I, and I can see them see me. Yes. And it doesn't. I mean, I my daughter's third grade class, I had to go read and it was I wore all black because I'm like, this is going to be the worst. And sure enough, third grade class, pouring sweat. It was. <laughs>
1: well oh, I think that's important I really I I'm glad we're talking about this because it is you know it feels a little shameful too like oh I'm so embarrassed um yes. but but it is it, it's something that is in our psyche um and but we try to overcome that you know by doing uh-huh. the jobs
0: that we do Oh yeah it's um yeah there's something there Mhm uh, Janis that- yep. I don't know. We're maybe worth exploring. We can't be the only
1: ones. (laughs) I don't think we are. You know, and and there are moments I ask people a lot uh, that are in this business, you know, do you get nervous? And I always say it's important to be nervous. It means that you want to do a good job. But there is Mm -hmm. a fine line between being nervous and having a panic attack. Uh, Yes. And, and I've had those, you know, when I was and also when I was pregnant, Alicia, when I was pregnant and I was on television, uh, I had some of the worst anxiety, panic attack type situations that I've ever had um, to the point where I had to sort of like wrap it up and, and throw it back to the anchor. Uh, and I have done some work on that. Like I've, I've talked to a therapist about that and mm-hmm. she tends to think that it is sort of you know, you realize more than ever as a pregnant person that your body is on display and your body is changing. And I am somebody that's always been very like um, sensitive when it comes to body because I was a, you know, I was a, an overweight kid. I got teased when I was a kid. So I think that's part of it is you feel like you're being judged. And if you can see those people looking at you, there might be something um, that makes you, you know, very self-conscious so maybe that's it you know that actually makes a lot of sense um
0: because this i mean we're obviously our own worst critics but then you add the layers that come with our job Mm -hmm. um and the way that we are on display i mean that sounds bad but no it's true we are you know we are and so we become hyper aware of every single flaw mm-hmm. um, that we think other people can see in a magnified way, and and sometimes I'll just because it's my husband, I'll say, "Oh, what about this?" And he'll he looks at me like, "I don't know what you're talking about." He might be doing that for his own safety. Like, oh, see you look fantastic," <laughs> but but he also genuinely will look at me like, "No, I don't think." anybody sees that, I'm like, that's all I see. And that's really too bad uh, that that stays there. But it's
1: something that's a little file and it opens up sometimes and it just like, that's all you see. It's very true. And, and, you know, when I was in therapy about it, uh, the changing body thing, you know, and, and you're trying to not hide things, but, you know, being pregnant on television is, you know, it's, it can, it's very, overwhelming, uh, especially as your body is changing every single month. And I, and I was very aware of that. That was some of the most, you know, difficult moments is just like, oh, you know, I, I, I don't know, just being on display, like you mentioned. And I think that's probably why I'm a little bit more open and honest with stuff, because I don't want people to think I'm perfect, because I I don't want to have that added pressure. And that's why I'm like, wait, no, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to eat on television. People are going to see me with my mouth open and I'm going to be honest about, you know, having a chronic illness, because I think it's really important for people to realize not only for them, but for my own self being that I am just a human. I'm not just some person that like gets my hair and makeup done and and looks sort of like everybody else on television. Right.
0: Right. Um, No, absolutely. I love how honest you are. Um, and I love it when you're like, I'm eating cookies for breakfast. <laughs> I am doing this because it 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 gives people kind of permission, I think, in their own lives, especially when they look at someone um, who like it's very easy for us to make up a story really quickly about somebody we see on TV whose makeup has been done for them, whose hair has been done, their mm-hmm. wardrobe has is, is been considered, all of these things, and then there's a whole team of people who have actually you know put you there yes. behind like fantastic expensive lights and beautiful sets and and fortunately you get to work with friends and so it does feel um you know like very warm and so it can look like um the epitome of perfect yes and it's not it's it's a it's it's a medium that we're on and a part of and we go out there and we do our jobs and we appreciate it so much but there's so much in the background that's like just regular real life mm-hmm. uh, anytime someone mentions to me anything along the lines of oh well you don't look like you're going to be 53 or whatever and, and I'm like oh well it's there's a lot of Botox that happens here <laughs> I've heard that like I'm the first one to tell people like Botox and because you d- because if I just let it go, like when we did during COVID, we all saw what could really happen, and and that's honesty. Like, and it also gives other people permission to like not hide one their age, but also what they do to try to
1: you know bump it up a little bit. Yes. I think that's fine. Yeah, I don't know. I'm for honesty. No, I agree. Yeah. And and you know, when I turned forty, I don't know if you felt the same way. I thought there was a shelf life being on television. I thought 40 was, was the shelf life. I hit that ceiling and it was going to be like, that's we're done. I got to figure out something else. That's why I love radio so much. And I, I, (laughs) it's (laughs) like, we don't have that added pressure, right? I don't feel nervous talking to you right now because I'm not, I don't have that added, uh, you know, someone looking at, and listen, my mom is the first one to tell me like, did you get your haircut, or what? What uh, was what mm-hmm. was that that you were wearing the other day? And she doesn't mean to do that, um, but it is. It goes right back to what we were talking about. So, do you feel now? I'm going to be 53 as well. Do you feel like I'm so glad that we can still do this job?
0: Yes, because there was a time when I mean. There's a reason why you felt that turning 40, and I felt it too. And when people ask me, like, "Well, how long do you think you'll do this?" I thought, "Well, as long as they'll have me." And my, I guess my face will expire at some point. (laughs) I guess that's the point behind your question. Because, and I also know that you're not going to ask a man that Mm. because it—that's just the way it goes. Yes. So that I don't think there's that the harm is meant in that question. But I but I understand the story behind it because it's been part of you know the the history. Yes, uh, and now things have changed, minds have opened, things have grown, uh, and and women can continue. But I but and I think like, the generation coming in now into you know we have all these like young wonderful people coming into into Fox, and I I just wonder, God does does it even cross their minds that. Oh, my face has an expiration date. Because I felt that. Yes. Definitely. Um, Coming in like, oh, I have some time. And then as as I get older, I thought, how long are they going to let me do this? And I, and yeah, and I don't know that, that they, that does cross their minds. I mean, it might, but.
1: Not like it used to,
0: right? Things are not, not like it used to. Yeah. yeah, there's a reason why why this crosses our minds.
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, you look beautiful. You look fabulous, my love. I, I'm I'm so proud. Of, and you you've been time. here Thank since you. the very beginning. I mean, 1997, right? 1997. I joined
0: just under a year from launch, and I was working in Fresno. I was the uh, five. Uh, they're, oh, they're five p.m. weekday anchor, and um, my i had found a loop in my contract and i saw i hired an agent and she said called me one day and said the fox news channel wants to hire you and i said i i don't know what that is what is that <laughs> and because it was it had just launched in 96 yep and so i turned it on i saw rick fullbound remember rick fullbound, yes of course yes i saw him and and i said well uh okay and they're trying to compete with cnn and there's this new msnbc thing and nobody knew what anything really was at that time Mm -hmm. it was like and i janice i literally said to her do you think it will hurt my career in local Mm
1: -hmm. if
0: i go work at the fox news channel and she said "Eh, it couldn't hurt (laughs) give it a try it was so like okay. And it was Chuck Collier and Roger Ailes who hired me and it was off of my tape. I didn't even do an interview. Wow. Uh, Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. And I wasn't the only one. I mean, there were a lot of people who were, you know, at the time they were just kind of trying to glue this thing together. Mm -hmm. And, and I came to the Denver Bureau and I thought, okay, I guess I'll do this for a few years. And then maybe I can go back to California and get a job there. And, and boy, was it just the best bet of my life. Like one of the best things I ever did. And I think back to that moment and how it was sort of teetering on like, "Eh, maybe, maybe not. And, and it really has been the best thing because I mean, aside from the career portion, I have friends who have become family Mm. and it has been growing that way ever since 1997. When I was 27 years old, I was a baby. And I've grown up here, and I've grown up with other people, and I and if something goes wrong in my life, I feel it. When things go right in my life, I feel it. I feel that that family. Yes, and I love it. I agree. Love it.
1: Yep. Yeah. I feel the same way. Listen, we've had some bumps in the road, obviously, uh, but the but the main takeaway is, and I always say this, I'll this'll be my 20th year here that I, I wouldn't be here if I really didn't feel like I was treated well or mm-hmm. that I had a say in, you know, what I wanted to do. Um, and you know, I, I think you can see that, you know, I, you can see that on television with the people that you work with. And, you know, if you're, ha- if you're happy, you're going to see that too.
0: For sure. Uh, could not agree more. And what I also have always loved about this place, and I didn't even realize it until someone from another network said it to me, was that we get to be our own, we we speak in our own voice. Yes. We are ourselves, like no one, there's no one who sounds like Janice Dean. There's no one that sounds like Ainsley Earhart. There's no one that's like, there's no one that sounds like Trace Gallagher. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets to sound like themselves. And I think that's that's part of the magic that happens. I think when we connect with with people who watch and listen and read, because it's it's who we are. It's not this formula formula that we've been molded into. There's no mold, um, even though people like to make fun of us. Um, and they they say that we are, but we're not. Mm-hmm. I mean, no one person sounds like the other person here in their, the way that they, they do their jobs. And that's really, that is unique. And I thought it was so interesting. It was a recruiter at another network that said that they were trying to get people at their network to understand how important that was. And I was like, I really started to pay attention. I went,
1: that's so true. Mm-hmm. We all just, we get to be who we are. Yes, yep it's very important. And yeah. Yeah. And, and I think the viewers can see that too. You know, I I think, uh I think they're smart and they're not going to fall for a phony. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And we'll be back with more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Stay on top of the latest news and information from Fox News. Listen and download the Fox News hourly update on your time. The trending stories you need anytime you want it. Listen and download now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Now, you've covered a lot, obviously, since 1997. What are some of the stories that you've covered that kind of, you know, that when you think back, uh, you know, either... Something happened to you to you during or or you think about as like a big moment in your career. you know tell me about those those pivotal time pieces mm-hmm. well,
0: I go right back um to Columbine, yes, because I covered Columbine, and it it's hard to imagine now, but it was such a shock to the system, and it it was we the the country and the world was absolutely floored Mm. and and so surprised by and and horrified by what happened and in covering that and and i will never ever ever forget what it was like because they didn't have like parent reunification centers they didn't have like people didn't know what to do yes um, like parents, they were just you know, and there was no, you know, there wasn't on social media. It was like it was this was new. And yeah. um, when those when those two students went in and, and did what they did, and so. When when they tried to create what now we would call a parent unification center at, at this middle school, and there were parents wandering around outside, and there were parents inside, and they were walking students across the stage in the cafeteria so that people could identify their kids. But walking through the crowd and seeing the faces of parents searching every single face that crossed them because they were looking for their kid, uh, that... yeah. That will never leave me, because it, it was it was a type of uh, of terror that I hadn't seen up close, mm. and that's something that um, has never left me. And unfortunately, um, you know, that was just one of many moments like that where yes. I was able to see that, but but seeing that up close, um, that never that doesn't leave you, yeah, yeah, anybody. Uh, but I've had a lot of, you know, there have been a lot of amazing and wonderful moments as well, uh, for sure, uh, and opportunities. Um, they sent, Fox sent me to Spain to cover a festival. Um, it was a rite of passage go, going from winter to spring called Las Fallas. And when my boss called me to tell me that I was going, she said... I'm not kidding (laughs) because it was just this beautiful thing that it it was so visual and and beautiful and, and Fox was interested in it and they wanted to send me. And I thought, wow, like who else gets to do this kind of cool stuff? So, so, so in addition to the tragedy, which I cover a lot of, Mm. there's also like, Hey, you get to go show people happiness and beauty and culture. And that,
1: that was pretty cool too. Mm-hmm. No, I feel that when I, I'm so lucky, cause I get to go to all the fun, you know, the Westminster dog show and the, and yes. the Kentucky Derby. I mean, I love it when you're at the Derby. Oh, yeah. I love that too. And most of it is because it does bring people joy, you know, that, that we do, we oh, are important. lucky enough to do that kind of thing. Um, you know, you've covered, Natural disasters, you know, the EF5 tornado, uh, more Oklahoma, that that must World. have been devastating.
0: Yes, we were. I was in um, I was with uh, the crew or Denver crew in um, Kansas covering another tornado that had hit. But it was just it was in comparison, incredibly minor. And then. And then the tornado hit more Oklahoma. And so we got on the road immediately and drove in. So we got there in the dark as emergency crews were arriving also and still. And we got in before they locked it before they locked it down. Wow. So we drove through this dark, devastated town that was just um, obliterated. Yeah, it was. It was awful. Um, it was pitch dark because all the, obviously all the lights were out, except for any emergency crews that had lights out. And it was like driving through these enormous toothpicks, mm. and it was awful. And we parked in front of um, a school. And at the time, at the time, the the understanding was that there were children inside. that were that didn't make it. Yes. And we went hours. Thinking that that was the case, according to authorities, because all we were going off of was this is the last known piece of information from the school. And this is what we were told and that no one knew where those kids were at that time, because also communication was down. So so that was really awful because I was on the phone. I was on the air with um, with Greta when Greta Van Susteren was working with us. And she kept she kept asking me for a reason to hope mm-hmm. on the air. And she said, Is there any any way they survived? And I said, I I know what you're asking me, Greta. And I don't have any information. All I can tell you is this. And she was right. There was hope. The kids had made it.
1: Oh. So
0: so that was um, but yeah, that was that that more Oklahoma. That was that we poured so many people into more. But they a lot of them couldn't get there. Yes. And so we were up all night until they were able to get um, more folks in, and then we went to sleep and they picked it up. Yeah.
1: How, as a reporter, do you approach people that have lost everything? I mean, that, that kind of, you know, I think you either have it or you don't, to be honest with you, that kind of, um, empathy, um, that someone in their darkest days are going to tell you a story.
0: Yeah. Um, no, it's not easy. It doesn't become easy. Uh, you just learn things to, you learn what not to say. Yeah. Yeah learn not to say, how are you? Mm. I did that when Elizabeth Smart was kidnapped um, and her dad was still standing in the street. I, we got there right after that happened in Salt Lake City when she was kidnapped. And I said to her, dad, how are you? And he just looked at me and I went, okay, oh. I am sorry. Oh. Because of course, yeah, there's no answering that question. You're, you're awful. And so I learned not to say, how are you? Mm-hmm. Um, like, how's it going? Yeah, because we have this instinct of just say, "Hey, how are you?" And yes. it's it just kind of comes out without stopping to think. And so I think it's just delicate. You kind of follow their cues, um, and let them know that you're not just here for sound. Yeah, that you're just here to have a conversation, uh, whatever level they're comfortable talking. And if at any any moment they're done, they're done, mm. because it's it's not worth it. There's, there, it is not worth it um, for any piece of an interview to be on television if it is going to hurt someone who is already devastated. Yes. That, that's my personal belief. Um, and I think it's important because uh, I think we're, 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 we, we can get a really bad name out there, right? If, 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 we're, if reporters are aggressive or just not even considering the fact that you know, they forget that they're human as a as a as a reporter because they're just so about the job, um, but also forget that they're talking to a human who's who's experiencing the worst, possibly the worst moment so far in their life. Yeah, because and that I work on the ground. Like, you, it's really important, I think, is for reporters and future journalists to always remember: if you have landed someplace, it's usually because something bad, really bad, has happened to someone else.
1: hmm.
0: And, and I think it's so important to keep that in mind, even though you're under deadline pressure, you're getting, you know, pushed from your bosses, like get it, get it. There's, you, you know, you're, you're a competitor, obviously, but it's, you got to remember your your person and the people.
1: Yeah. So important to remember. Yeah. You got to talk about the moment a couple of weeks ago when you were unfortunately at another uh, shooting, a school shooting in Denver, and mm-hmm. you are the reporter and then all of a sudden you know you're on with Sandra and and John Roberts and hey. your your son is coming out of the school. Yeah. So
0: there was a lot going on in that moment and and before I begin I do want to let anybody listening because I heard from people on this and saw it on social media Fox did not force me to go cover a school shooting where my son was inside and my stepsons were inside and not knowing that they were okay okay my boss said to me go be a mom mm. when when I called her and and I was a disaster at that time I was shaking I couldn't think straight I was cussing screaming. I said, this is why I was in the office and they said go be a mom we're gonna put somebody else up we're gonna put Laura Engel up a friend of mine so so that's just so everybody knows that that's really important to me because there were people who are critical of Fox and Fox, not, that's not what happened. They, yes. Fox was very protective of me in these moments. And I told her once I was there and once because because when she said go be a mom, my son was I was trying to call my son and he was texting me saying, Mom, I have to be silent. And, and so which is and then he starts sending me pictures because he, he somehow he had some of people being put in an the, in the ambulance. And and then he said two teachers were shot. He was awful. And so once I knew he was safe, once the police had said that the threat was gone and that at some point they were going to be letting the kids out. And I knew that would take a while. I called my boss back and said, I can do this, but I need to speak as a parent, not as a reporter. Wow. Because I was so connected to it that there was no way. And she said, okay. So Laura Engel had been covering it from New York. And then I was like, and they were like, not until you're ready. And I'm like, I'm ready. Okay. And so I got up and it was John and Sandra and they were amazing. And we then we walked through it. And I did some reporting because I had also... I had a press pass. So I went to the news conference and I asked questions as a reporter, but also as a mom. And so I had information. So yeah, there, I was doing a little bit of both. But it, I think Fox, folks need to know, Fox would would never do that to someone. They wouldn't. Like, they would never say, you don't know if your child is safe, go cover it, because you're the only reporter we have there. No, that's not what happened. And they would never have, they were like, it is up to you. So I didn't go on the air until I said, I'm ready. Mm -hmm. So that's, it's really important for people to understand. I'm
1: glad you told me that. I did not know there was that kind of controversy, but you know what? It doesn't surprise me either because people are just vicious and they're going to, you know, they're going to make stuff up, uh, you know, regardless. Right. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. It's really like they're like, oh, look, another way to criticize. And they had no, they did not have all the information. So yes, it's it's really important that people understand, like they weren't these heartless people. They were actually, and I won't say their names because I don't think they want them out there, but there were two women higher ups in the company who were actively guarding my mental health. And I didn't even know until after, and they were making sure that I wasn't overexposed, meaning just stayed up on TV and yes. just kept talking and talking and talking because they knew that wouldn't be okay. Yes. Me later. And they were right. And so they were like, nope, she did her spot. She's done. You guys can use the tape and or you know, you can use it, but she's done. Oh. And and I had no idea until after, until that evening. And and I was so I was in tears. I was so grateful um, for that. So that's, that's something I just want people to know. Um, Um, but in terms of the moment, I'm so
1: go ahead. No, no, I'm glad you did that because I think people have to realize too, that because we're in this business, sometimes that crosses over. Like I, you know, I think about Adam Klotz who was on a subway and who was brutally, um, hurt and he wanted to go on air and talk about it. And so because we're in this business, it's almost like, even though something has happened to us, we feel like we have to deliver the news. We feel like we have to use our experience to tell people about it. Um, and I think sometimes, uh, you know, our brains don't quite mesh as to when we should be done with that. And so to your point, we have people that know when, you know, to turn our microphones off, even though we might be thinking, but I, I want to tell this story because they know better than we do Yes. yes
0: and what an amazing blessing that yes. that exists here mm. uh like it's just it, for as long as i've been here um the, the the people around us continue to surprise me in in such warm and wonderful ways yeah and that definitely i felt the arms of this place all around me mm. um in one of like a one of the worst moments and it was it was i was terrified janice like just like every other parent was i mean i didn't go on tv until i was ready to to speak so nobody saw me like unable to even like hold my car keys trying to get to the school because i was shaking and nobody heard me except for the people in the bureau when i realized what was going on like all I saw was this one moment and, and I've been asked a lot, like, well, how are we able to do that? And I think you really hit the nail on the head and you're the first person to do that. I was like, well, that's just kind of where we go. Like that's what we know how to do. Yes. And that's, that's, that's eventually what happened. Um, and also in that moment, um, no one knew was that standing right next to my photographer lloyd who i've worked with since my very first day here was my husband because his boys were in the building too and he like we were all calling me my sister and my husband were all calling each other as we're heading to the school and we can hear the sirens going off in the city and and but my husband was standing he was right there and i could see him as i was talking to john and sandra and that helped me. We're, we're absolute partners mm. in life. And, and so that, that helped ground me. Like if I have to speak in front of people, he goes no matter what, because he knows I need to be able to see him. <laughs> so back to my um, stage fight thing, but yeah. So, so anyway, but he just stood there cause he was there also. Um, but he has some similar feelings about the school board and in the district. And I was like, I can't let him down. And I can't let all these other parents down who I just saw at the reunification center who was so mad yeah. um, that this was happening in their school. And so he kind of, he helped me get through that moment. And then when my son came to find us, oh. I kind of forgot everything that I forgot everything I was doing. The second I saw him, um, it just all, all vanished in a moment and it was like i just had to get my hands on my kid yes
1: right yeah i mean yeah. you're talking about it and i i saw it and it was just like every mom and dad and human being felt that that hug that you know that you can't plan um yeah yeah what no. do you i mean i don't even you know you just you're just so grateful but also also sad for the people that don't get to do that
0: that's exactly, and that's what happened. Almost as soon as I hugged him and felt it, because now I know what it was like to be actively worried about an active shooter in my own kid's school, and the the shooter was on the other side of the door of where my son and my stepson was and was were, and and all of these other kids in an assembly. So I so all of a sudden I have this information that I've. I've never personally felt yes. And then, and then after I hugged him, I, all I can think about are all those parents who stand outside those schools and they're waiting to see the face, their, their children's face. And they didn't. And, and then, it, and then it, Nashville happened like days after. And, and we cried in our household for those families in a, I think in a I, I, I always feel it, but this was different. Um, something changed because things happen in life that change you in ways that that will you will never return to where you were before, which I know you understand that um, more than more, most people. But yeah, all I can think about are those those parents, those families who wait. And so we talked about, and I didn't talk at first one, because there were a lot of people who, a lot of places, good intentions, wanted to do interviews right after. And I told, uh, I, I told folks at Fox, I said, I really don't want to do anything because I feel, and I told my photographer, Lloyd, who I've known forever, I said, I just feel like I don't want to talk about it. And he said, He's just, it feels like you're spiking the football. And I said, exactly, because I know parents don't get that. Yeah. And I don't want... I don't want to make them feel worse right and then fox uh digital asked to speak to me and it didn't feel like okay i'm going to go on tv and and do this thing about how great everything was i was able to just have a conversation and that's why i also agreed to talk to you Mm -hmm. because i knew it would be a conversation um and and it's so important that we always always remember the people who are impacted Yes. And who feel it forever. We see it the moment. We see the breaking news, but they feel it forever. Yeah. So
1: sorry. No, I just um I, I know. I'm I'm glad that you're talking about it and it is important. And you know, how do you feel like going forward? Are you somebody that, you know, you have to be a reporter, right? You are reporting the news. You can't also be an advocate, or can you? You tell me.
0: Yeah, you know, I don't know. Um, and John Roberts, because I, I, I sent a note to John Roberts and Sandra Smith immediately when I was done and thanked them for the conversation. And John Roberts said, you need to go Janice Dean on this thing. <laughs> and you need to make sure, you know, because I was so mad about the school resource of officers course. and, and the you know, the district. And I was, I loved it that he said that. Uh, so I'm not sure because I I know that things need to change and I know it like for me, it's, it's very important that there are school resource officers in schools. I, I know that people want to fight about guns and gun rights and all that, but I feel like we need to deal with the world that we're in, not the one that we wish we were in. Yes. And, um and I think that's important. So I've been, this has been going around in my head for a while. My, my kids have one more year in high school. And I also think about not affecting them, in their experience as they finish school mm-hmm. and I, it's a weird it's a strange balance that yep. i'm trying to figure out um but covering i that's a really good question because i know it's i know it's coming that i'll be doing that again covering something, um like that and, and i guess i won't know until i know how, how i'll do yeah honestly I, I I hope I'll just do my job effectively and do um, do justice to the people who are impacted and to the story um, that needs to be told. That's my hope. Um, but this is oh, listen to this. Um, so as I'm talking to John and Sandra, uh, and as I was there, I realized, and I didn't say anything that it was two years to the day that I was talking to John and Sandra also from outside a mass shooting uh scene at the King Super's in Boulder mm-hmm. and they had brought me on to talk about the fact that my family my husband's family lived really close by mm. and that we had to do that like weird like map math like is this their King Super's we've been there like we had to do all of that and that was so striking because it was it was so, like, I, I didn't even know what to do with that information. Like, I don't know what to do with this information. So I'm just going to acknowledge it's there and move on. Yes. But, it, um. But yeah, so obviously I'll be covering them again, sadly.
1: I know. Don't go anywhere. We'll have more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. You know, in life, things happen, right? And we are in yeah. this business and you try to do the best you can, uh, but sometimes it is personal. And then you have to decide what you're going to do with that, you know, that being personal. And so I commend you um, because I know it's a tough spot and I have feelings about it. You have feelings about it. And, you know, there does come a point where you're like, yeah, this is important enough for me that I'm going to go ahead and do this. And thankfully, you know, we work at a place where we're lucky that we can go knock on the boss's door and say right. this is what I'm feeling. Uh and and they will guide us uh into the right decision. Um so I'm I'm yeah. grateful for that too. Same no, they're
0: same. And I, there were, there have been stories that have come up out of this. And, and I said to my boss, I said, I don't know if they'll let me do this. And she said, I don't think they would stop you. Hmm. And I went, okay, well, that's really good to know. That's, I mean, that tracks with who we, who we are, Yes, uh, but you know, you just never know. Um, but it's been, it's been an interesting time. And my son, he, he and I kept checking in with each other after we were just kind of because he wanted to go right back into regular life. And I wanted to, like, we both were like, oh, let's just do, let's just almost pretend like nothing happened. Yeah, And that was impossible, but we tried. And then we just kind of, he got, all of a sudden he had all these like people following him on Instagram. And then, you know, it, like, he had all these people reaching out to him. So he and the, he had that added part of yes. all of a sudden people were like reaching out to him. And he's like, mom, it's someone send me a drawing of us hugging and I was like, okay, I understand. I mean, there's a lot that's happening here. We just have to remember how lucky we are yeah. and let's just not lose sight of that. And he's, yeah. And that's, and he would just call me, how you doing? Mm. Or he texts me, how are you doing? Like, how are you doing? And we just kind of kept checking in because it was just the two of us in this, in this moment that will kind of lift on um, for the both of us.
1: Yes. You know? And how are you doing? I'm doing
0: fine. Um, I'm doing fine. I, I did realize after, because my boss said, well, do you want to take some time off? And I said, no. I, and I, the next day I was covering with Paltrow. And that was a mistake, I will tell you. Uh, because I think I needed to give myself a moment to decompress. Yeah, didn't give myself that. And my sister-in-law said, you tried to jump right over the process. Yes. <laughs> And I did I didn't do well. I didn't, I got backed up in the wrong moments in like emotionally and my temper got weird, but I'm, I've leveled out now and um, I feel more like myself, but I do recommend um, if, if to anyone who's listening or wants to hear it or doesn't want to hear it, that if, if something hits your life in a way that's hard and kind of like knocks you off balance, give yourself some grace. Yes. Give yourself a minute and it's not a weakness. Um, it's a, it's a strength. And and that was a lesson um, for me, for sure.
1: No, I understand. I really do. I, I think our gut instinct is just to try to keep going, you know, as a mom, like we're just going to keep going. Right. Oh yeah. And then it hits you like a ton of bricks when you least expect it. Uh, and you have to acknowledge it. And then luckily we work at a place where you give the phone call and you say, you know what, I'm, I'm not good. And they're like, right. whatever you need. Exactly.
0: <laughs> people don't get that. And it's like, you know, growing up, I think after a while, I'm like, well, that's just the way it is. And my husband's like, that is not the way it is. <laughs> that Not every place is is as great to you, as great to their people as foxes to you. Yes. And I went,
1: okay, you're right. You're right. Well, we're so. lucky. And I feel so blessed to know you. And Thank I think you. you're an amazing person. Um and uh, the next time in New York, New York, I want you to come up. We'll do a podcast, and then we'll go get some cocktails. I would love that. Ah, <laughs> uh, you're the best. I'm glad you're you're doing well, and your husband's good you. too. Good, yes, we're we're doing well right now. Yes, thank you so much, Janice. This was so great to talk to you. Uh, I feel the same way. I really do. Uh, and you do a wonderful job. And I'm so glad that we bonded over our insecurities about being in front of people. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Who knew? (laughs) And it's not people that I interview. I actually am the most comfortable when I'm interviewing somebody else because it takes the spotlight off of me.
0: Oh, I love it. Yeah. That's great. I absolutely love it. Yeah. I I just, I love it that we found that in each other. Yes. Yes. Well, we
1: can be there for each other. Well, to be continued, my love. And thank you again. Um, And I, you know, I just, I'm grateful that you that you came on and to talk about it because I think it is really important. I think people will will certainly um, learn something and also appreciate you as a reporter, as a mom, and just as a good human. Oh, thank you so much, Janice. Oh, this is great. you got it, Alicia. Thanks again to my wonderful friend Alicia Acuna for joining us today. I'm so grateful to her for talking about her life and her career, being open and honest about what it's like being a reporter at some of the biggest and most challenging stories in our history. She's a mom first, and many of us got to see that with our own eyes unfolding live on television during another tragic school shooting that all of us parents dread happening to our own kids someday. Hopefully, after listening to Alicia's story... We can use our voices together to help take the steps necessary to keep our children safe. Because they're counting on us. Thank you to all of my listeners. If you have someone you think should make the Dean's List, let me know at JaniceDean on Twitter or FNC on Instagram. Or you can rate this podcast.